The Money Show. Small business. Small business focus brought to you by Isuzu EasyGo. Why own a pre-built truck when you can rent it? Thanks to creative solutions from Isuzu Finance. T's and C's apply. Anton Russell is the strategic head for SME support at Fetola. Before we get into it, Anton, tell me about Fetola. What does Fetola seek to do for um, for small businesses in South Africa? Hi, Bruce. Uh, good evening. Fetola is a, essentially an enterprise and supply development organization. We've been around since 2006 and do sort of large-scale business development programs all around the country with uh, usually quite large cohorts between 50 and 100 entrepreneurs at a time. And we take them through various processes and programs, um, leadership development, business development systems, costing and pricing. And essentially, we are looking to impact a billion lives by 2030 is our what, very what, large, that's, that's, goal. That's easy to say. We're going to impact a billion lives. But Vladimir <laughs> Putin is impacting a billion lives at the moment, and that's not a positive thing. Um, how do you impact a billion lives? It's a bit, you know, nobody can ever prove or disprove the number, but when you say impact lives, what do you mean by that? I think positively impact. You know, what we've realized and, and known for a long time is that and firmly believe, although there's a lot of lip service around it, is that small businesses and entrepreneurship really do have the capacity to change our trajectory as a nation, as a continent, and potentially even as, as, a, as a globe. You know, it's, um, everyone always talks about small businesses being job creators and you know, filling gaps when employment is difficult to come by. But we've seen over the years that we've been working in the space, the, the direct evidence of this. And uh, so we, let me add a caveat there, positively impact <laughs> a billion lives by 2030. Um, and when you talk about sort of teaming up with people, SAB, for example, does hundreds of, of, of programs every year. They've got deep pockets. They want to help create innovation. They want to help create small enterprises. Do they sort of outsource the process of running some of those programs to people like yourself? Yes, exactly. In fact, SAB Foundation, not corporate, has been one of our core clients for about a decade now. And I also work with them in my personal capacity as as a head coach on their Social Innovation and Disability Empowerment Awards. And I have to say that they're they're definitely one of the most sincere and genuine organizations out there in terms of entrepreneurial development, particularly in the social enterprise space. And yeah, we partner with corporates. You know, as you know, corporates are mandated to spend a certain amount of their impact on on business development and particularly the development of, of black owned and emerging entrepreneurs. And we have have filled that gap and developed programs and work hand in hand with a lot of corporates to to try and shift the needle in a positive direction. So talk to me about the, the, this idea of entrepreneurship. I remember Tanti Pai, who um, started Nascent's Advisory, and now he's joined PwC. I remember him saying in an interview, and it's, it's like it's as clear as day to me, uh, that, that young people in South Africa are told the most grotesque lie when they're told, go and start your own business, become an entrepreneur, because it is so flippin' hard to do. I mean, what does it really take to become an entrepreneur in South Africa? Look, I think it is it is difficult. And, you know, we've got different kinds of entrepreneurs in South Africa. We've got those that become 
survivalist entrepreneurs just out of necessity because there's simply no work, you know, from selling vegetables at the side of the road to, to running a car wash right up up the scale and up the spectrum into sort of high-tech high startups and that kind of thing. But the truth is, it is a difficult environment to start a business. You know, our, our costs for, for just registering a business, the legislative challenges that we face, the red tape, tax brackets, that kind of thing, are, are the odds are stacked against one uh, if you decide to go into business. And yes, the journey has been romanticized. Um, and the truth is that it's a long, often challenging one, but can be a very rewarding one. And that's really what we try and focus on. Okay, so when you, you're sort of encouraging people to get into uh, into this world, some people are more suited to it than others. How do you sort the wheat from the chaff? Because by allowing everybody in, allowing everybody to have a go, you're, you could be using a huge number of valuable resources that could be better utilized for people who have a better than even chance of success, if you know what I mean. Yeah, you, you're speaking my language now. I mean, the truth is that not everybody is cut out to be an entrepreneur. Um, I actually have a psychology background, and and there are definitely inherent traits that that are required. And also, I think, you know, one's exposure as a young person, were your parents entrepreneurial, does it run in the family? All of those kind of factors do do make a big difference to whether one succeeds in this space. And I think government's been a bit slow on the uptake there as well because they have tried a number of programs designed to sort of turn everyone into entrepreneurs. And yes, a lot of money has been flushed down a a black hole that we're not going to get back. That is slowly changing. But I I think for me, you know, essentially entrepreneurship is, it's a bit of a cliche, but, but while it can be taught, it is a calling and it is something that requires certain personality traits. And you know, at Fatola and also in my personal work as a coach and a mentor, I focus a lot on the individual. Uh, you, you find a lot of people in my industry tend to focus on the business model and try and panel beat the model. And they kind of go rushing blindly in without really stopping to pause and learn about the person they're working with, learn about what we call the jockey at the helm of the, of the company and whether they've got the right stuff and the, the sort of well of patience and EQ and all of those other things that are required to, to make it work for the long term, essentially. The level of detail in, that you have to be engaged in on a daily basis, particularly in the startup phase when you don't have other people to help, um, is nothing short of extraordinary. I mean, the, this, the, even in the most high-functioning societies on earth, the complexity of having to juggle eight balls at once while chewing gum in the wind, possibly rain as well, um, is an astonishing skill set that, yes, you can learn, but until you've practically tried to do that stuff all at the same time, I'm not too sure whether you know whether you're cut out for it or not. Yeah, I know that's also a good point. You know, I think one of the one of the things that I've learned over the years in this space is that there are there's a there's a reluctance to ask for help amongst entrepreneurs. And I think that that is something that needs to change. The reality is you could pay a bookkeeper to work for you half day, a half day a week or one or two days a month for a relatively nominal rate. And 
put that down instead of trying to do it yourself. So I do think sometimes entrepreneurs sort of wear their entrepreneurship as a, as a bit of a crown of thorns and, uh, and tend to do everything themselves when actually if they just paused and thought about it a bit and said, where can I get help? And one thing we are fortunate with in South Africa is that there is actually a lot of help for entrepreneurs. The narrative might not support that, but the truth is because of enterprise and supply development and, and our BE laws, there's a lot of money, there's a lot of initiative, there's a lot of programs out there. For those that are serious about pursuing the entrepreneurial journey, the help is actually available. And that's encouraging to hear. I I saw a a note that uh, my producers have compiled for me. Uh, The four things you really, really need. It sounds like a Spice Girls song, but I I, I was talking about juggling. One of the things you say, you need a gift for multitasking. Forget juggling balls. It's more like juggling flaming hot knives with your teeth. Okay, so we've covered that one. Um, But the other one is the ability to be continually able to multitask in a way of of dealing with crises all at once because unfortunately one bad thing doesn't happen in a day i mean you get a client cancelling you get a staff member sick you have a delivery that goes missing suddenly you've got three crises on your hands with which you need to deal simultaneously and things can go pesh up quite fast they can and i think when that happens you know what we what we totally tend to focus on is why are you doing this you know, remind yourself, you know, it's a bit of a cliche to say have a vision and we've all heard people like Anthony Robbins and Richard Branson talking about a vision and, you know, knowing where you're going and ultimately what does success look like. And we've seen over the years that it's really, really important to actually understand why you're doing what you're doing. What is your vision for your business? What does success look like to you? Because then you tend to recognize that that when things do go pear-shaped, it is cyclical and they will turn and if you know where you're going if you know what you know what you want to achieve ultimately you know you see those things as a bump in the road and not the end of the road so i think it's quite important that yes you do need the ability to multitask and to juggle but more importantly you need to understand why you've chosen this this calling essentially and why you're doing it and ultimately the destination that you're trying to reach I saw a great note the other day from uh, from Sequoia Capital, from uh, Rolf Puerta's business in the United States. Well, it's not his business, but he is the boss. Um, and one of the things was that you've really got to make you've got to make quick decisions. Uh, you've got to be able to make really quick decisions and act on those decisions really fast once you've taken decisions. So often, I wonder, particularly when people are starting out, whether they're not a little bit hesitant, a little bit reluctant to make the tough calls, the big calls, because they one in experience, two, frightened what the outcomes might be. Yes, and, I, and the irony is that actually what separates a small business and the, the, the competitive advantage that a small business has over its corporate competition or the big, the big guys, essentially, is that you can be very responsive and reactive and nimble. And I always use the analogy of, a speedboat versus a tanker. You know, a speedboat can turn on a dime and make a quick snap decision and go, you know what, we're actually not pursuing that strategy anymore. It's not working. Let's try something different. Whereas in a corporate business, which has all the resources and the silos and the departments, you know, just making a decision to change the toilet paper from one ply to two ply can take six months and require multiple sign-offs. 
So it's actually, it is an important skill, but it's also a skill that can potentially give one a competitive advantage. That is absolutely critical. And then something that people also struggle to comprehend is this idea that you don't have to to be just operationally sound. You don't have to just know what it is that you do. Um, And that is, you know, you deliver a widget to a customer and you do it 100 times a day and you start making money. You have to be strategic as well. You have to be looking at the business five, ten years from now and be making decisions that are going to impact that. Um, and drive in a particular direction rather than simply repeating a task time and time and time and time again because then you're not going to grow ever. And that ability to be both operational and strategic is something that most people, when they go and start an enterprise for themselves, don't even begin to consider. It's probably the most important thing of all. It is the most important thing of all. And, you know, interestingly, it's, it's, that's when the big shifts happen, when you are able to take a step back, zoom out for a moment, look at the bigger picture. Are we heading in the right direction? Are we playing in the right space? And one of the things we say to entrepreneurs when they come to our workshops, because invariably the first few hours they're stressing out, they're on their phones, they're putting out fires. And I say to them, guys, ladies, you know, you're here now. We've got you for a day or two days or three days. This is a gift to yourself. It's an opportunity to really take a step back and assess things from a strategic perspective because operations doesn't drive you forward. It keeps you in the same place. You know, you've got to deliver the orders. You've got to order the stock. You've got to send the invoices. Those are all important, but they're not designed to propel you forward. It's when you shift into a more strategic mindset that the really great stuff starts to happen. So, you know, any entrepreneurs or budding entrepreneurs listening out there, carve some time out in your week to work strategically in your business, to think about where you're going, where you want to go, and not just the operational sort of hamster on a wheel process. That's hard. easier said than done, Anton, but thank you very much indeed. Anton Russell, who is the strategic head for SME support at Fetola this evening. In a moment, Warren Ingram, co-founder at Galileo Capital, chartered financial planner. He is a financial advisor and he is a regular contributor to The Money Show. How to think rich.